Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Do you feel like your church's facility could be preventing growth? Or are you frustrated or maybe even overwhelmed at the thought of a complicated or costly building project? Are the limitations of your church building becoming obstacles to the path of expanding your ministry? Have you ever felt that your church could reach more people if only the facility was better suited to meet the needs of your community. Well, our friends over at Rise Point have been there. They are former ministry staff and church leaders, and they understand how to prioritize and help lead your church to a place where the building really is a ministry multiplier rather than a ministry limiter. Licensed all over North America, their team of architects, interior designers, and project managers have the professional experience to help you and your church move the mission forward. Listen, I trust RisePoint. You can trust them with your project too. Check them out over at risepoint.com forward slash unseminary. That's risepoint with an E dot com forward slash unseminary. While you're there, pick up their free downloadable resource for your team. It's called 10 Things to Get Right Before You Build. Reach out to them today. The earlier into the project, the better. Again, that's risepoint.com forward slash Unseminary. That's risepoint with an e.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Today's a super special episode. We have got a real expert on, you know, every week we try to bring you someone who will inspire and equip Uh, But today we are particularly honored. We have somebody who has worked with nearly a thousand churches in over 40 different denominations. And and they have the issue that they have helped with has been transformative to so many of them. We're so honored to have Phil Ling with us today. Uh, He was a church planner, business entrepreneur, and a sixth generational ministry leader, if I'm counting correct, which is amazing. Uh, He's got a great leader and really is helping churches on the whole generosity side through uh, his organization, The Giving Church, and The Lane Group. Uh, Super excited to have you here today. And this is the thing. They have helped. This is an incredible number. Raised over a billion dollars for the purpose of helping churches fuel ministry and execute their visions. This is incredible. Phil, we are so glad to have you here. Thanks for being on the show. We're, We're honored that you take some time to be with us today. Honored to hang out with you and to see you even if it's just on a screen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's great. Always good to see you. Um, fill out the picture a little bit. Tell us the Phil story, kind of, uh, you know, fill that in a little bit just from the bio. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. The how great I am stuff, you know. That's, that's <laughs> how great I am. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in Ohio. Dad was a, a, not only a pastor, but a church planter. So that was kind of my life experience. Mm. So I went off yep. to college and then felt that, you know, the best church jobs are if you just start your own. So planted Mm. and (laughs) got a call to go to Seattle, Washington was on the North end of Seattle and spent 10 years out there planting a church, hanging out, doing, just having a ball, amazing place. Uh, it is, you know, there's a lot of great churches now. I'm the old dude. So when I was out there, it was planting before it was cool. And right. (laughs) And now there's some, some really great churches, but it's still very unchurched area. But yes. where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. God bless us, grew, lots of people, all that mm. junk. 
and uh, became acquaintance with a guy named John Maxwell. Uh, John and I became friends. He gave me the opportunity to work with him. I became executive vice president of Enjoy, his group, and mm -hmm. uh, spent eight years running around the country with John and working with some really cool people. Uh, mm -hmm. Got to live on a little farm in central Kentucky, which is where my wife is from, while oh, I, I love worked it. with John because I got on airplanes. And then <laughs> uh, he did a weird thing, which is really weird looking back now because the dude's like the Everetti Ever Bunny. He won't quit. But when he was 60 years old, he wanted to downsize and I didn't want to work for anybody else. So I slid over and became vice president of the Billy Graham Association. That's a whole story in itself. Uh, they had just relocated from Minneapolis to Charlotte, built the Billy Graham Library, all that stuff. But their donor base had aged. And so part right. of the reason I was brought in was to work with that because Billy had gotten old and everybody else had gotten old. It's still a huge ministry. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they, they were kind enough also to allow me to throw out my shingle and start working with folks and had mm. a separate agreement with them to do that. So commuted, got on airplanes on Monday, flew to Charlotte, home on Thursdays and helping them out and then doing my own thing. So we put out our shingle. Uh, we're boutique. Uh, we work with 90% probably referrals and references people just saying, hey, you know, call Phil and, and talk to those guys. Yeah, Phil will help uh, you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, um, you, you rattled off the numbers crazy. I told my wife yesterday, I said, here's, here's my claim to fame, okay? Here's my claim to fame more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, and I, don't, I challenge, I've not met one person that can say, yeah, I did that too. I literally have been in over a thousand church board meetings. Now wow. About yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's churches. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And you said 40 different denominations. I didn't know there were that many. I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's, you know, it's crazy. That's it's incredible. So, and, and all yes. over the spectrum, but they all have the same challenges. Uh, right. Leaders cast vision, but generosity mm -hmm. fuels vision. So right. if you have great dreams, aspirations, and vision, it still can run out of gas on the side of the road. It's like, okay, how do we pay right. for that? And so my right. early on, I said, you know, that's the part. Pastors don't like to talk about money. The ones that do go to jail. You know, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, okay so, that, so that's what we've done. So we fast yeah. forward. Uh, we've been up and running for over 14 years. Like you said, worked with a zillion places. Literally, all yep. we are international, just to let you know, because we're in Canada a little bit. So, okay, love it, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's that's so good. And you know, I I've uh, got a chance to get to know you a little bit. And um, the thing I love about you, Phil, is you have a heart for helping the church. Like, there's, you know, particularly in this area. You know, you made the joke about the <laughs> pastors that like talking about money end up in jail. Sometimes, folks on this side of the equation, it's like. They just see the church as like another market. And I, the thing I love about you is you're, you're really trying to approach this from like, hey, how do we help? How do we come alongside, support? Um, you know, you've got a vision. We want to help. Let's, let's work through some of that stuff. And, and, and even the fact that you come on today is amazing because we want to take advantage of kind of your place in the, in the community and the body of Christ. You see a lot of churches. You kind of see what's happening. Bring us up to speed on kind of generosity and the broader, you know, body of Christ? What are kind of the trends? What are you seeing? What is, you know, what's, what's happening out there that, that we should be thinking about particularly on this side of, of what we do? Okay. So it's my favorite subject right now to talk on coming out of COVID, especially. Uh, and yep. and I, I say coming out of COVID, anybody thinks we're out of all that crap is, is stupid yes. because yeah, yeah. We're, it, it's, it's going to be a long time to get that toothpaste all back in the tube and yep. is affected churches. 
you got to understand that for three years at least, we have been told by a, a lot of folks in the world that church was a non-essential institute. It was a non-essential right. place. So, right. you know, bars were essential. Uh, down here in the U.S., strip clubs were essential. <laughs> right, but, right. But church is not so not much. churches. Yes. And that that's kind of the creeps into a church that I would have said, say, up to like 2019, that the church, North American church overall, if you look at 360,000 churches, there were on a decline. There were always bright spots. There's always aberrations. There's always these, these tentpole churches that are doing well. But overall, if you looked at mm-hmm. average church attendance, all that kind of junk, uh, were, were declining, especially within a lot of the, the mainline denominations. Then you mm-hmm. go into the COVID situation. And we, we released a, a book that we did ourselves, not trying to make money, just try to get inf- information out there before COVID that talked about the coming giving tsunami, that the, how the changing giving patterns in, in North America are affecting church. And that was before all this mm. stuff happened. Now, yeah, if you read yeah. it, it looks like we actually were prophetic, you know, like, hey, those guys are brilliant. Uh, you know, yes, it, yes. Because what, here's, here's a few of the stats that I saw before coming into COVID that I'm seeing now exacerbated. So in the yep. average church in North America, 45% of the people that give that church money give less than $200 in a year. So 45% of the people sitting in that building that give you money give less than $200 in a year. It's not because they're broke. That's a very low threshold. It's just they're not that connected or whatever. Where they are, God, all that stuff. We're a safe place to hear a dangerous message. We're the only club that exists for non-members. So I get all that. I'm not not trying Mm -hmm. to say we've got to get our averages up. I'm just trying to understand Mm -hmm. it's the blameless autopsy. What's actually happening, yes. This is the patient. So – if you looked at that whole 45% giving less than $200, that collectively only gives about 1.5% of the income. Uh, so it's, it's right, right. negligible. And we can't track people that don't give. You know, if you don't give, I don't even know you're there. So don't even know right. those folks. So over half the people walking in your halls really don't contribute financially. You just have to understand that's right. how it's designed. That's how it works. Right. Is on top of this piece, and I, I'm not a stats guy. I've hired stats guys because they're smart. I'm not. They're no fun at a party, but they're really smart. Uh, <laughs> the, in the average church, you lose about 18% in your giving units every year, and you replace them with somebody else. So average hmm. church, you lose about 18% of your giving units. <laughs> if I've got 45% giving less than $200 a year, and I'm losing 18% of my units every year in the average church, that's a growing church. That's not a bad church. Yes. It's just average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so every three years, you got to stand up as a pastor and introduce yourself because that half doesn't even know who you are. You right. know, think of that. Wow. And, right. and right. yet, as leaders, we often talk to everybody like they all have the same tribal history, like they all mm. have the same tribal oh, that's knowledge. Good. They all sat around the campfire and heard the stories, and they didn't. So right. I say right. all that. Then we go into to, the COVID situation. We have lockdowns. It's different. I mean, we've got yep. clients just about everywhere, so they all experience it differently depending on where they were. You know, some. Yep. Yep. Always middle of Nebraska, they're saying, what's COVID? <laughs> yes, exactly. That was a blip for three, three days in March 2020. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But then, you know, Long Island, New York, Pasadena, California, those are all different experiences. So yep. what, what, one of the things that I'm seeing, that can, all that's a, a preamble, one of the things that I'm seeing coming out of this and uh, coming out of all this experience is I think a lot of churches are kind of fat, dumb, and happy. They said, you know what, we, we did pretty good financially during all those tough times for a couple of years in COVID and our people were faithful and all that kind of stuff. And I'm saying, yeah, mm. it's good. Look mm-hmm. to see where your money came from, not how much money came in. 
Mm. And what you're going to find, I think, in my humble but accurate opinion, it's what I tell my son, my humble but accurate (laughs) opinion, I think what you're going to find is that your 18% churn rate was actually grew. Mm. And the number of new folks that normally come in in a given year was really shrunk. Mm. It's the front door was not nearly as active as it used to be. So the reason you did okay financially is the people that love you and are there are holding on really tight and have white knuckles from pressing yes. down. Right. But you're going to eventually, and what I've been saying all along, and I know this is doom and gloom and I don't mean it to be, but the last quarter of this year is really going to be the test is now yes. it all kind of dust settles and it's like, okay, this is who mm-hmm. we are. So right. I, I got to get away from thinking, how, what do we look like three years ago, two years ago? Let's get back to that. No, no, this is who we are. Mm. And who oh, do I have good. here? Who's contributing? Who's supporting? How many new folks are coming in? How many people are moving away? Uh, I, my uh, observation looking forward, and I got actual anecdotal evidence, but observation looking forward is that we're going to continue to see really cool churches grow and do cool things and do some amazing, amazing things. But overall, the average church is going to speed up the decline. Uh, mm. So I, I can tell you one denomination that we work with in Pennsylvania, greater Philly area, that in a district there, they identified 26 of their churches that closed during COVID and never reopened. Mm. <laughs> and I know that's right. it's easy to throw rocks and say, well, what was the denomination and are they struggling and all that stuff? And that's true. But I think you're going to see that. And for the first time, and I'll say this in quick, yes. for the first time, we're going to see churches that still have people in them, but don't have a lot of money. Right. And they're wondering, why do we keep right. having to struggle with the budget, even though our people are there? We're used to dying churches that yeah. there's nobody left, but not ones right. that attendance is not that far off, but the money is. Part of the reason, largest transfer of wealth in the history of the world is taking place right now. First time in history, right. we have four generations alive. And the people mm-hmm. that are receiving that wealth are more consumers of your product than stewards to your ministry. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good, man. Okay. There's so much there that I love that, you know, and I, that I think is a good segue, a good kind of reminder for us as we think about this season we're in as being kind of the, okay, this is who's here the people that are here are who is here. Um, it's a good time for us to look at those numbers and what you've said there. I've heard from multiple churches. It was like, yeah, when you look at what happened during COVID, it was like our core people leaned in more, they gave more, but but that seems to be ending, <laughs> you know, that, that seems to be, uh, running out. So now, so now what do we do? So how do we, maybe we're a, a church of, you know, let's say you're a church of a thousand people, maybe I'm an executive pastor listening in and I'm thinking, yeah, that, that could be us. What would you suggest as, you know, as the, as the trusted friend along the road, what, what should we be doing in this season to kind of look at that more closely, stare into those issues, take some steps towards, uh, you know, trying to rectify that, trying to grow that, that revenue side. I, um, you know, hope so is not a strategy, you know, churches that sit yes. at the last quarter of the year and say, I hope we get budget, you know, hope so is not a strategy. Yes. Uh, you count what counts. So you have to have metrics. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm not a stat guy. I live in the world of numbers, but I'm not a stat guy. I'm a vision. I like vision stuff more. Um, but there, I think in order to talk intelligently and cast vision intelligently, you need to know a little bit analytically. So the first thing I would do is an analysis of the giving of where your money comes from. We developed one years ago, hired a really smart guy guy with a degree in statistics. And we looked at 4,000 churches from a whole bunch of denominations and said, okay, 
what, where does the money come from? And yep. break it down yep. into some simple pieces. It's not, it's not like this huge spreadsheets, but this is simple pieces. And as I tell churches every yep. time we go through one, they're your numbers. You know your numbers. I'm going to hopefully tell you what some of them mean. So let's yes. look at A, if, if the average church gives a 45% give less than $200, where are we in that? Maybe we're not average. Yes. So let's, let's look at that. Yep. Second, if the average church churns giving units 18% a year, where are we in that? Let's see what our churn yes. rate is like. Yes. Then I break it down into categories of, of the giving. And this is every church. I don't care if you're 30,000 people on the weekend or, or uh, 150. Um, we're going to look at zero to $200. How many folks do we have? 200 to $1,000 giving units. How many folks do we have? 1,000 to 5,000, 5,000 to 10, and 10 plus. That's it. That, those are the categories. Yep. And then we yep. want to look and say, okay, where are we strong? Where are our challenges? Maybe we're really top heavy. Maybe we're really strong at the bottom two groups, you know, what, whatever it is. And where does the churn take place? So if I right. looked at it and said, you know what? We're, our churn rate's really high between a 200 to $1,000 giving rate group. And my mm -hmm. response mm -hmm. would be, okay, that's not all bad. That means they're mm -hmm. least attached to you. They're still kind of kicking the tires and checking you out. I, I would expect movement there. If I looked at the right. top two groups and there was a lot of churn, I'd say, okay, you got some issues. So A, you're changing. Right. Maybe you've been changing philosophical direction in your ministry. Maybe you changed key staff people and had some bumps in the road with that. You know, there are some reasons. Or you happen to be in a place like Toronto or Dallas or something where there's a lot of management movement. People come in with their companies right. for a while. Right. They're a couple of years going on. Or you're near military mm -hmm. bases, which is huge churn. Mm -hmm. You know, so it doesn't yeah, mean yeah. you're unhealthy. It's just like understand it. So first, understand this is where our money comes from. This is yep. where we're strong. These are the challenge areas. And then I would roll over, and, and this is the key piece. And this, if any time you ever hear me get on a soapbox, I talk about this stuff. <laughs> I said uh, leaders cast vision, generosity fuels vision. How you cast that vision and what mm -hmm. room you do is the huge piece. So I right. coach folks that you need to constantly be communicating, be communicating in three rooms, a large room, okay. Sunday mornings, online, all those kind of things, large room, medium sized rooms, which are like minded groups within your group, like minded groups within your group. What are my medium sized rooms? Mm -hmm. And then small rooms. These are my leaders and influencers. How am I getting in front of my leaders and influencers and casting vision? The problem a lot of churches do is they want the big room to solve all their problems. Yeah, We're going to be so true, dude. Platform driven and smoke and mirrors. Uh, I am the old guy. You that is so off. true. Like I, so this is, I'm not, I've been in that, you know, executive pastor seat, you know, on the leadership team, but not in that lead seat. And I would say one of the ongoing conversations I've had with lead pastors over the years is so many times lead pastors, which makes sense when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know, it's like if, if we've got an issue in this case, talking about giving their knee jerk reaction is let me preach about it. Like we're going to do a three week series. We're going to preach on it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like that's the last step. I'm not saying we shouldn't get there, but I love that, you know, small rooms, medium rooms, uh, large rooms. And, you know, I've seen even those, you know, guys that are amazing or people that are amazing communicators. It's like, they don't want to do those other two steps or they're reticent to do those other, uh, you know, those other rooms. Uh, but well, then okay, there's, there's so, huge power in that. Well, okay. So here, here's the deal. First of all, you, where I come from personally, I never take off yep. the fact that I used to be the church planter. I used to have hair, you know, yes. it's the price you pay for ministry. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, 
And so I'm the practitioner guy. I look at it as like, mm -hmm. I sat on that side of the table. So I understand yes. that. I'm not just the little expert dude who came in and said, tell, let me tell you how to do your job. But yep. you have to understand if you're the, if you're the lead vision caster, lead vision yep. A lead vision caster in an effective church, you have a vision caster that casts vision and you have others at different levels that echo the vision. So everybody's echoing yep. the same vision. Yep. But the big room, and you have to understand what the, the purpose is. In the big room, the best thing I can accomplish in a big room is get across the idea of participation. So when I talk about mm. generosity, money, those kind of things in the big room, it's because I want to stress everybody gets in the car that... If it's a family vacation, we don't leave somebody out and leave them sitting in the driveway. We all get in the mm -hmm. car, we don't go. So we celebrate, mm -hmm. we, we analyze. I've got a church right now that could tell you they just celebrated crossing 1,500 families that have given to their project. Wow. I, how wow. much money? Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of money. Who the heck cares? Anything that costs yep. more than the price of my house is a number I don't understand. So <laughs> you know, the, the dollar thing is, you know, okay, we can throw that out. But the number of yes. families, I want to be one of the 1,500. So participation. Yes. Medium-sized rooms, those, those what I call target audiences, those, those like-minded groups, they all are listening to your vision differently based upon who they're mm. with. So mm. if I'm an empty nester, all right, I'm much more motivated by how, if you're raising money, how it helps us pass the baton of faith to the next generation than I am what it's going to give me. You know, right. I always talk about buildings. Buildings are great, but the older I get, because now I'm the old dude. My son's a you know long-haired musician in Boston. I'm the old dude now. Yeah. So yeah. the older I get, the less I need out of your building. Right. So right. That doesn't move me. So medium-sized right. rooms. Who are who are those medium-sized rooms? What's their unique question about what we're doing? Who are the early adopters in those groups? All that junk. But mm -hmm. then the third, and this is this is where I I love to to jump on this this thing with with lead lead pastors. Look at your job. If you're at a church of 2,000 people and you're lead pastor, if your church doubles in size, what will you still do? What will you not do? Because mm. if your church doubles in size, you'll have staff, programming, all those kind of things, and some responsibilities will slip and go somewhere else. Mm. But two things. You're always the lead vision caster. So you don't give that right. up. You don't advocate that. You're always vision casting. In my opinion, mm. my humble but accurate opinion, you always lead leaders. Yes. Always lead yes. leaders. So small room, yes. it is the num one thing you do is like, okay, yes. how do I orchestrate getting in front of leaders and influencers on a regular basis so I can vision cast and catch me? I hope oh, you're hearing this. The reason you do it is you give them a safe place to ask you a question. Yes, yes. And it is the one that's time good. when you get in front of them that's not driven by crisis. Yes. Because most yes. of the time, lead pastor sits down with a leader or influencer in his church is because their family's falling apart, their kids are driving them nuts, they lost their job, there's something going on. Yes. This yes. is not. It's vision. It's like, hey, right. let me. And it has to happen first because leaders here, they answer the bell, so they should hear things first. Right. Right. Love it. So good. That's great. Um, now, I want to loop back on just one thing you said. You talked about these four different categories and kind of an analysis that you would recommend. Hey, let's get these numbers out. Let's look at people in these categories. I love that. The analytical approach of understanding, okay, like let's look at even this churn rate is, are we above and below the 18% in each one of those? Um, that feels like the kind of thing if I was embarking on a capital campaign that I would do, and I, I'm sure you could help with that. But is that the kind of thing, even a church that's not in that kind of season, should they be looking at that? Is this the kind of thing they should be looking at even in this season? Like, hey, getting a clear sense of where that is, a regular practice? 
Yeah. So yeah, this is my self-serving answers. Uh, you know. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. So, so if we sit down with a, a client or a potential client that we're talking to, and I've got one I just did this week, and cast to him, I said, "Yeah, you could hire us to work with you, and that'd be great, and we'd love it." Blah blah. But yeah, I really think you should just bite off an analysis piece. Doesn't cost a bunch. Right. Do it first. And what I tell churches going forward, and as is clients and past clients is what we're going to show you. It's not hard to do. And once we show you how to do it, you should do it every every year for the rest of your life. It, it's right. like you always, because if you don't, here's what happens in church. We all, if I ask every pastor on a Monday, say, hey, how was this weekend? I guarantee they're going to say, hey, it felt pretty good. Like, what's felt that mean? Good. It yeah. felt pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 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 right, so yeah, people yeah. went out and hugged you and said, you did great. I mean, so there's <laughs> got to be some kind of benchmark. It's like, all right, how do we judge? If you have a McDonald's franchise, those guys have been so right. analytical for so long. They can say, hey, you know what? On this day last year at 11 o'clock in the morning, this is how much we sold. Right. They right. measure that crap. So yep. we need to have some things that we measure. And so what, the, what I like to do in the analysis is like, okay, let's measure. Number one, where's our money come from? What areas yep. does it come from? When we lose folks and they move on and somebody else comes in, where, do that, where does that take place? Because mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. there's two things I'm always looking for in an analysis. I'm looking at the numbers and say, what does capacity look like for this church? Are we operating mm -hmm. below capacity? We really have the ability right. to do a lot more. General fund, right. capital, whatever it happens to be. We're, we're below capacity. Yep. And trends, where are we trending? Right. And right. so if you don't have a benchmark, how do you measure? You remember when you're growing up as a little right. kid and they put you against the wall and put a little pencil mark above your head and said, Phil was <laughs> yes, the yes. You know, in, in yes. 1979 or whatever it was. So we got to have those as well. I know the numbers represent people. Don't over-spiritualize me. I get that too. Mm -hmm. But if you don't count something, then you delude yourself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just go on feelings or instincts or... And that, that flows both ways. Like I think there are times where... You know, you'll talk to a, a pastor who's kind of down because they looked out on Sunday and it was like, man, I think we were down 20% this one weekend. And it's like, okay, well, that's just one weekend, dude. Like, you know, like don't get so caught up on exactly what happened seven days ago or five days ago. Like what, where is, where's is the entire thing going? That's, that's good advice. Well, let's talk specifically on the, the kind of capital campaign you know, I'm sure there's people that are listening in that are thinking, okay, we've come out of COVID. They have that feeling of, okay, this is the new community that's here. I, you know, there's a number of churches I coach that are have either just launched or are launching a third service. And I always joke, I my on the church growth side, the coaching I do there, I always say the third service. If you're going with a third Sunday morning service, all your it's a stopgap decision. You're saying we're going to do this, and then quickly after that, you're going to have to make some other decision, and that is like build a new building, launch a campus, do something else. Because you go from one of your services, one of your 50% of your services being non-optimal times to two thirds of your services being non-optimal times. It's not like you get this great, you know, it's not, it's not a great solution. So I'm sure there's churches that are thinking, hmm, we're, we might have something a year from now, two years from now, we need to be working on that. If I'm at a church in that shoes, thinking, man, like we've got a bunch of people there, you know, we, we, we've got needs. What, what, what should I be thinking today? Obviously outside of going to the givingchurch.com, uh, but what would, you know, what, what, what should I be thinking today? What kind of questions should I be asking, um, you know, to, in those early phases? Okay. So I was trying to answer if I'm, if I'm that church, what would I be doing? Yep. 
Um, yep. One is sooner rather than later. So ha- have your, your conversations about working with somebody that give you some help and some guidance along that way long early. It doesn't cost you any more to have a guide with you longer. So get bring right. somebody to take Oh, that's good. Because it, it, it's not – I hate it where it's like, hey, we spent a bunch of money on architects. And we spent a bunch of money on all kinds of stuff. And then it's like, now we need to raise money. It's like, well, that's yeah, kind where of were you? backwards. You yes. know, it, it's a, yes. first – and the analogy I use, and I know I, I won't take God out of it. I can tell you some God stories, but then I can tell you what God does on average. So here, here's the average. Uh, if I'm going to move to Toronto and I say, mm-hmm. I would like to go live in Toronto, let's get mm-hmm. Zillow and let's look for a great house in Toronto. And I just type mm-hmm. in Toronto great house with no parameters. It'll show me some mm-hmm. great things probably that I cannot afford. <laughs> so instead, it's like, why don't we do a little you know, crunch it down a little yes. bit and say, how about houses in Toronto within this price range? You know, yes, good. So oh, the analysis good. is the first thing to me to sit down. So as a church starts to dream and cast vision, it's like, what do we have capacity to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God can do more than that. I got it. That's yes. cool. But nobody builds a tower without counting the cost. Let's do a little research. Let's look at what that, that capacity looks yep. like. And I need more time. The bigger the plane, the longer the runway. So the bigger the project, the more time that I need. I've got churches that we've worked with for a year. Nobody knows we're doing anything. And it's because you're you're laying a foundation for a big plane. So start early, get some analysis. So you you have some reality that you're dealing with. Talk to Mm -hmm. banks early if you're going to have short-term financing, things like that. We mm-hmm. have all kinds mm-hmm. of relationships we can aim you to. We don't get any kickbacks or anything. Mm-hmm. We just try to find good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But don't wait. I see too many churches wait. Uh, churches are yeah, designed yeah. not to make decisions. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. True. That's true. There's way too many people that can say no that can, that can say yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's, yeah, that uh, that's good advice. Even, hey, if we're, even if you're on the outside edge of thinking, hmm, we might be a couple of years out from needing to, you know, build more space, launch another campus, whatever. Uh, the, the joke I've made on the multi-site side, very similar. I've said, you know, no one's ever come to me when their campuses aren't working and said, you know, we just took too long in the planning phase. We just, we just <laughs> took too long in, in, in getting this thing ready before we launched. It's, it's always the opposite. It's like, Hey, we're going to push this thing out the door in three months. And, and that's when you run into all kinds of problems. The same would be true on these kind of initiatives. You've got to take time. And particularly, Related to early what you said earlier, those small rooms or small groups, those conversations, that takes time. Like that, that the the reason we're drawn to large rooms is because I can stand up this weekend, get in front of a thousand, two thousand people quickly, uh, and it feels good because we've kind of done that. But it doesn't necessarily actually penetrate and get you know deeper into you know the actual conversations we need to be getting into. That's that's good. And the deeper the deeper your need. Here's the reason I go back to to lead pastors. And everybody doesn't want you know. Sometimes you get into the rock star pastor mentality. And it's like I just got to stay in the green room. So it's like oh no no right. I get out of the green room. And the small room leadership conversations, the deeper your need, the deeper my questions. Deeper your need, deeper my questions. So if you're trying to raise a lot of money for a project, then your leaders have questions they wouldn't have for just something inspire them on Sunday, take up an offering and, and raise a little bit of money. Yeah, and by definition, every kind of capital campaign, like where you're 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 making a significant gift or you're asking for significant gifts, you know, when you're you're asking people to give out of illiquid access access 
assets or out of their their wealth rather than just their income that you know if if you're asking me that if you're saying hey can you sell some stocks or get rid of that you know investment property and give that money to us man i'm i'm going to have some serious questions right i'm going to i'm going to slow down and want to get a clear idea and that's fine and then to actually execute on that to actually make that this isn't they can't that kind of money just isn't instantly available. It's illiquid by definition. And so it takes a while to, for that to, to happen. Yeah, that's great. Super helpful. Now, I want to I saw this great resource on your website that I want to make sure people get. And so this is at thegivingchurch.com. There's a, a big button there. It says five ways to grow your church giving. It's a PDF. I want to send people over there, make sure they pick that up. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this? I, this is a, I can't believe it's free, but it's a great resource for people to pick up. Tell us a little bit about that. It's a lot about what I've been talking about, breaking down the three rooms, how we communicate, vision casting, all those kind of things. Tried. Uh, my big deal is I, I'm, I've done this long enough. I, like I said, I'm the old dude now. So I've done this long enough. I want to see fruit grow in a lot of different trees. I want to put good mm. information out there. I think it's a category that people don't talk about on how to fuel their ministries. So we produce this. Right. It's cookies on the bottom shelf. This is not, you mm. know, deep stuff. This is very practical steps. This is what you can do. I guarantee if you download that, read that, talk about it as a leader, you'll get good stuff that you can use, whether you ever work with us or not. Right. Yeah. Love it. So good. Well, I want to, again, that's just thegivingchurch.com uh, and look for that link there. We'll also put a link in the show notes. So you go over there and make sure you uh, pick up a copy of that. Just as we come to land, Phil, any, anything else you've said, this has been super helpful. Anything else you'd, you'd love to talk about or anything else we want to make sure we cover today before we uh, rose, wrap up today's conversation? Uh, my, I just want to hit the hammer one more time because you said, you know, you got a hammer and a nail thing. Uh, talking because a lot of your listeners are, are senior leaders in their churches and there are a lot of things you can delegate a lot of things you can give to other folks to do leaders lead leaders um mm. so your job is to lead leaders and and when i talk to senior pastors especially you're the leaders and influencers in your church and i i divide leaders into this but we're positional leaders there's some people have positions they're tribal leaders they got groups of people to mm. follow them, whether they have a position or not, and financial leaders. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. put those three together. That's your job. Lead those folks. And the reason yeah, you good. take the time, have sit down, have a cup of coffee and share with them, you treat them as partners in your ministry, not donors to your ministry. Partners talk about That's stuff good. before it happens. Donors just say, let me show you the glossy brochure and ask you for money. Your leaders oh, want to so be good. treated as partners. Oh, I love that. I, Phil, I, that's, I think that's a great insight. I'd love to have you come back on in the future. And, and maybe we even just talk about that specific, let's get into that even more deeply and let's drill into how do we have those conversations and how, you know, and I, cause I've seen this in my own church. I worked with a lead pastor who was resistant, not in a, not in a, like, I don't ever want to do that, but just didn't know what to say. And how do I have those conversations? And, you know, and it doesn't take a lot. It's like a little bit of coaching uh, could be really helpful. So maybe in the future we have you back on and we could drill into that issue specifically because i think that would be I, I would love to for folks i would love to rich because here's the last thing i'll say and i know i'm, I'm babbling on uh all good with, with leaders your job's not to get in the room and ask them for money nobody that's why nobody wants to do it you're not selling them vacuum cleaners your yeah. job's to get in and cast vision let them ask you questions because yeah, so good, good people ask questions privately 
Others ask questions in front of groups because they want an audience, not an answer. We're not giving audiences, but we do give answers. So good. I guess so much there. That's that's fantastic. Folks that stayed till the end, they got a, a good little nugget there at the end to chew on for this week. Well, friends, I would love for you to uh, to track with Phil, to track with thegivingchurch.com, you know, to reach out. If, if you guys are looking forward to do one of these analysis, now's a great time to do that. Uh, if you're thinking about a campaign, uh, take Phil's advice. You, you know, don't talk to an architect or think about drawings before you talk about the financial piece. Uh, you know, let, reach out to them. They would be, uh, would love to help with that. So thanks so much, Phil. Appreciate you being here. Uh, where, where do we want to send people online one more time before uh, we wrap up? TheGivingChurch.com. TheGivingChurch.com. And uh, we ask us questions, get the PDF, anything. We'll, we'll respond. Um, this is what we love to do. Love it. Thanks so much, Phil. Appreciate being here, sir. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.